All right, welcome back to the Canadian Gun Vault Behind the Vault Door. My name is Mark Morelli. I'll be your podcast host for uh, at least the next 20 minutes. And with me tonight, uh, by popular demand, back once again, Brian. Brian, thank you so much for being here on the show. Thanks for having me. All right, love having you here. Uh, Brian, what, what, we got more rabbits? Yeah. Yeah, we're here by the fire pit. We're spitballing. We're talking and uh, decided to run a podcast. Brian, uh, always love your input and uh, your insight into the uh, world of politics, among other things. Brian, there's a lot going on uh, right now with the firearm community, and a a lot of people are asking a lot of questions and would love to know uh, some of your thoughts on the subjects. We've got a delay. Uh, Certainly, the Liberal government seems to want to push through their proposed uh, C-71 legislation. What what are your thoughts on that? Well, it's a... Well, I'm not. I'm not surprised, Mark. I mean, we've talked about this since day one, and and I don't consider that this government is any friend to us. Um, the uh, liberals have always been willing to pander for votes by selling the idea that a law-abiding gun community is a threat, and that they're addressing um, law and order issues by uh, banning guns and you know and and, the, and it's the, it's I hate using the term the globalist agenda because it sounds so uh, tinfoil hat um, it's not really that it's just there's a there's a, a you know a process of thought whereby a group of people don't believe that in a civil society that anyone should be armed and, and I understand that viewpoint I, I happen to disagree with it emphatically mm-hmm. but I understand it um, and I think a lot of these people want the same things that we want, which is an orderly society, a safe society, a non-violent society. That's very important. Um, but I find that a lot of these people have very little knowledge of, of the issue. And to be fair, I know some people who have a great deal of knowledge of the issue and still uh, don't think we should have firearms or we should certainly have very, very restricted access to some of the types of firearms that I know you and I enjoy. Um, and, and again, I disagree with them emphatically, but they're entitled to their opinions. But the problem we have is that um, where we say, well, it's a difference of opinion. Okay, well, your opinion is going to result in me losing property and in losing privileges and in losing rights. And it's going to cost me money and it's going to cost me enjoyment of my life. Um, and to imply that wanting my property and wanting the right to enjoy my property is a threat to your children or to your enjoyment of life is is such a ridiculous and outrageous and illegitimate and uh, unethical and illogical uh, jump uh, that it's very frustrating because we see it out there constantly and you know, the trolls are alive yeah. in social media. Yep. And I see there's a few of them here in Canada. There's four or five names I can pick out because if there's a gun issue anywhere uh, in the media, whether it's CBC, CTV, um, Toronto Star, uh, and certainly some of the regional uh, papers, these, these same names pop up and begin hammering us with insulting trolling behavior. And, and I get it. I mean, you know, I've... I, I won't say that I've trolled, but I have friends who troll, and it's pretty funny at times. But um, uh, ultimately, it's it's uh, you know it, it's it it doesn't foster a positive dialogue. 
us any closer to where we want to be. And uh, I really, for all of you out there who, who are wondering what that might look like, have a good look at um, New Zealand. Uh, New Zealand has a, a very low uh, uh, gun crime rate and a very high rate of gun ownership. And their, their uh, ability to own firearms um, is ultimate. Like You can own pretty well whatever you want to own. But as you go up the spectrum of, of uh, firearm, you come under more scrutiny, you have to meet more security requirements, there's more vetting by the uh, police, and um, it's, uh, uh, you know, and, and, and rightfully so. I mean, if you want to own machine guns, in my opinion, all the power to you, own machine guns. Uh, but you better not be the guy at the range who's screaming and carrying on and talking about politics on the firing line and being racist and being hateful and and um, uh, and showing that you're not all there you're not you're not mentally um, you know put together and uh, you know I, I think it's fine that our, our fellow citizens um, have have an issue with uh, you know crazy people owning you know military firearms and so on but uh, certainly most of the collectors that I know, most of the enthusiasts I know, uh, enjoy the historical, um, you know, the historical side of their firearms collecting. They enjoy the technical side of it. Uh, you know, they get right into it. They like all the accoutrements and they like the the, uh, the EIS, as we call it in the army. Um, and it's, um, you know, it, it's something that, in a free society, you should be able to do as long as there's oversight and, and that we look out for people suffering from mental illness and we ensure we have proper security and we ensure we have appropriate use. You know, we don't need to be in the forest with a belt fed uh, mowing down the bears. Uh, but, you know, at a, at a, at a, at a nice range uh, with, a, you know, with a appropriate facilities, uh, what's the problem? Uh, you know, great, great time to bring other people into, uh, into the, uh, the circle of uh, enthusiasts. And, and you know what? <clears throat> you raise a really good point. You know, and I, and I, and I, I like to examine problems. And, and you know, I, certainly in my 20 years of employment with the you know, Hamilton Police Service, you know, I, uh, <laughs> I'd like to think that I was a problem solver. I, I see a great number of people that want to use firearms at the range, and you know, and can't. And you know what? When I say a great number of people, I mean it's dwindling every day. You got, you do have. Uh, for the people that don't know out there, there are a number of collectors out there. Uh, that owned certain types of firearms prior to changes in law that are allowed to own fully automatic firearms. They exist. They're out there. Uh, they'd love for, you know, when I say they, I mean, I'm sure that the anti-gun community would love for us to forget about them, uh, that they exist, and allow them to die and allow their firearms to be seized and destroyed in, in a manner that, you know, I've seen consistently over the years. You know, people pass away, the firearms get, uh, you know, received and seized and then ultimately sent to the melting pot and what I don't think people realize is we're melting down great parts of, of military and firearm and just in history in general and so there are a number of people out there I know I know of several collectors that would love to take their firearms to a uh, to a, an approved And, and they're not 
not able to do it in most instances. And I'd love to see a mechanism in place that would allow people to do that. And I mean, we can we can look at you know how anti-gunners think, and we can we can talk about things like you know, uh, how we're treated all day long. I, I'm looking for answers. I want solutions. I, I want people to see the arguments uh, presented intelligently, and, and I want to see people uh, realize that it's no different than owning a classic car and not being able to drive it. You know, uh, I don't think that somebody wants to take their, you know, 1957 Corvette and start drag racing on the road, but, uh, you know, they've, they've just they've just hindered your ability to enjoy it and essentially told you that you can own it but you can never put a tank of gas in it and you're never allowed to leave your driveway and so these items are out there they're in people's possession lawfully and they want to enjoy it and in most instances they can't uh, you know I want to see a solution to that problem there should be something in place that allows for that and and right now there really isn't uh, there's this there's this push to not allow it to happen and I understand there are security concerns and I understand that you don't want you know people roaming around with these items it, it could be uh, you know it could be controlled it could be regulated uh, like you said you know there could be additional screening there could be you know uh, measures put in place that would uh, safeguard uh, the public and at the same time allow people to, to own and enjoy their property uh, the way it was always meant to be enjoyed you know I know these 70s you know 75 plus you know something uh, men that are you know really desperately want to go out and enjoy these things but really don't have the ability to do that and that, and that seems wrong to me and it, it's even more wrong that they're gonna have you know their property seized when they die and melted into paper clips I mean I mean I'd, I'd like to think that you could see you know the, the problems with this um, ultimately you know I think that we're gonna we have a real shot at a majority government the next time around in 2019 I desperately hope that there the efforts have been made and we've we've made enough uh, enough attempts you know to make people realize that that the legitimate firearm community is not the problem in this country uh, you know reading you know reports in the newspaper indicating that you know the that a large number of firearms have been seized coming across the border you know some people are making the claims that uh, crime guns are domestically sourced to the tune of 50 percent I don't believe that for one second uh, in, in my years of experience as a police officer, I never knew the legal firearm community to be the problem. So, like, I mean, like, there, there's, there's, there's something that we can discuss. Well, I mean, one of the frustrating aspects of what's going on right now is that they, <clears throat> they're choosing to vilify and to further limit the rights and privileges of the most vetted and law-abiding uh, community in the country. And at the same time, they're proposing legislation that is going to reduce punishments yeah. for people who misuse firearms and who engage in, in gang activity, who use firearms in the commission of violent crimes. And, um, you know, so that their arguments don't wash and they need to be resisted um, uh, viciously. Because I, I've always, and I, I've, I've felt this way for decades, that... If we had the type of government that we wanted, and we had a very sympathetic government under Stephen Harper, um, but I don't think we quite got there. And I, I think, I don't know if we can ever get C-68 repealed, but I think if, if we as gun owners proposed legislation that genuinely had a possibility of making it safer uh, for the public, when it comes to firearms, um, which would mean giving up some things and accepting some things, 
I think we might get a lot back. I'll give you a case in point. Um, the firearms committee under under the Harper government was extremely sympathetic to the firearms community. They were mostly shooters. Uh, and some some really great people on there who worked very very hard. One of the recommendations they made was that the classification system involving prohibited firearms should cease to exist because prohibited firearms don't make any sense. There's no reason why the AK-47 should be prohibited, but the CZ-858 should not be. There's no reason why the FN C1 or any of the FN FALs should be prohibited, but the M14 and M305 class should not. Mm -hmm. uh, there, it's an incredibly illogical and inconsistent law. So, you know, if we turned around and said, the function of the firearm is what will determine its security status or its 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 legislative status, uh, but we're going to tweak what you can do with it. And I'll give you a case in point. If we if we agreed that all magazine-fed semi-automatic firearms had to be registered. If we conceded that, that's fine. You got your firearms license, PAL is a great thing, the course is a great thing. Nothing wrong with that. Safe storage laws, brilliant. Yep. No one wants to see kids shooting themselves with guns that have been left out loaded. Like, you know, it's just common sense. We seem to be making some inroads with, um, with the courts uh, in regards to being able to use firearms to defend our property and our lives. Within reason, yeah. Uh, so we, we seem to be getting there. So, but but so now we come along and we say, listen, as as gun owners, as the CCFR, the NFA, the CSSA, all the you know the firearms groups in Canada, we turn around and we we propose the following: if a firearm is semi-automatic and it is fed by a detachable box magazine, regardless of its capacity, it will be registered. The police will know you have it and it's registered, and you will have to have some form of security what that could be discussed but you have to have something whether it's a gun safe or a security system whatever that's that's the deal however the vast majority of these firearms uh, will be permitted to be used for regular activities so if you want to take your your FN FAL with a five-round pinned magazine because that's what you need for hunting. If you want to take that hunting, then that's acceptable use. If you want to take your, you know, because right now you can hunt with an M305 yes. with a five round magazine. Yes. So what's the problem? Uh, if you want to take your AR-10, which is currently a, prohib uh, is a restricted rifle, if you want to take that out hunting with a scope on it, your five round magazine, then that's acceptable use. Uh, is, the, is the ten is the ten restricted or the is AR ten is, is restricted? Restricted or it, not? It is restricted. It is restricted. Well, any AR ten that is derivative of the AR fifteen is currently restricted. Okay. Any true AR-10 that yep. doesn't have the modifications of the AR-15 or M16 yeah. uh, is considered non-restricted. Okay. And that comes under the, um, what's the, uh, the, the non-restricted AR that's out now. Oh, that BCL-102? The BCL-102, yes. right, which is a wonderful rifle. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we have to give something up, but again, as firearms owners, we're the last people in the world who want to see schools shot up with these kinds of firearms. The other thing is, is background checks are outstanding. There's nothing wrong with background checks. No. If you're not a criminal and you're not mentally ill, you have nothing to fear from a background check. No one's going to care about, you know, some stupid comment you made on Facebook as long as it didn't involve threatening violence on someone. No one's going to care that you've, you've made dumb 
you know, not even stupid things like, like dumb racist or sexist jokes. I mean, that's not the kind of thing you're going to lose your firearms over. It, it may not be acceptable, but it's not the kind of thing you're going to lose your guns over. You're going to lose your guns for threatening someone harm, for having really, really, really messy domestics yep. that you lost your, you know, your, uh, your composure and said something dumb. Um, and again, these are the kinds of things we don't want people to have firearms readily at hand. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with the police and the and the firearms office overseeing this, which should be their job, yes. to make sure that at a time of crisis in your life, you do not have access to firearms. And there's nothing wrong with that. No. Um, well, you've touched on a couple of really good points, and I'm gonna I'm gonna interject here for two seconds. All right, uh, the firearm community wants to see an end. To violence involving firearms, I've never seen. I've never seen a group. It's funny because you know, in any other segment of society, you know, the, the people tend to kind of lean away from anything that contradicts. I, like I would still, I would still argue that firearm owners are, are the people that least want to see you know that sort of thing going on out there. It affects them the most. We want to see reasonable measures implemented. Uh, we want to see effective laws put into place. We want to see stiffer punishments for people that. Uh, use firearms in the commission of offense, the, the ones that obtain them illegally, the ones that are using them in the crimes anyway. I mean, when you look at it, uh, statistically, like, and historically, the legal firearm community is not responsible, uh, by and large, for, for any of the violence involving firearms. So what do we do to tackle the real problem? And, and that, that's something that I've been screaming about for about a year and a half straight, is we have to, we have to draw a clear division between us and the criminal element using these firearms. And I think we're doing a good job of that now. Well, and again, and again, but again, you know, the government is tightening up the regulations on firearms owners, which are, is going to see no effect in the gun violence rate, but they're reducing the punishments for the use of firearms in violent crimes. So I don't, I don't know what, so that criminals will vote for them in the next election. I, 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 I can never figure out the logic of a liberal because yeah. there is no, there is no uh, consistency to it. I mean, I understand that politics is a nasty game, and I understand that winning votes and 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 statistics and all this kind of thing. That you know, this is a this is the game that gets played. But um, I take great offense that. Uh, Someone thinks that taking away my AR-15 is going to make them feel safer, but not putting a guy away for 10 years for using a, a gun in a, in a robbery, because that's just too mean. It's yeah. just too mean yeah. to the poor criminal. <laughs> you know, it's violating his rights. Is To me, is is an outrageous stupidity. And... And this logic, this liberal logic, I have no, no, I hold no truck with it, and uh, I, I think that it needs to be resisted uh, intellectually as aggressively as possible. I think Absolutely. it needs to be challenged every time you hear someone out there make some stupid comment like that. I think they need to be told off and 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 crushed under a <laughs> weight of intellectual logic just just bring the hammer down and put these people in their place and, and you and i are definitely seeing eye to eye on that one uh talking about you know crushing the competition i mean with logical rational argument uh dealing with these people we've had to do it with kid gloves as fire owners and that's something that that i would discuss with you uh as fire owners you know anytime we passionately you know, resist uh, any movement from the left to restrict, you know, what it is that we enjoy 
or, or destroy our culture. And that's really what it is. It's an, on, it's an ongoing attack on our culture. And I mean, we have a bonafide culture. It, it is. is. It is. It is. And, and we, so. And it's an international culture. Yeah. Like, I mean, uh, you know, there are, we're very influenced by the, by the United States and Canada. And the Second Amendment doesn't apply up here. Uh, and the Second Amendment's a very interesting piece of, of, of work. And, um, you know, I think the Americans could use some of our legislations down there to bring some of their problems under control. And the Second Amendment doesn't allow for that, um, which is, is certainly problematic. But the Second Amendment would protect us from some of the inconsistencies and injustices that have been forced upon Canadian citizens by various governments. Um, you know, something's got to be done. Yeah. And I mean, it doesn't. I understand that the issue in the United States is mostly criminal, and I understand that the mass shootings is is in reality is mostly an issue of uh, socialization and. Um, and and pharmacology. It's it has a lot to do with drugs that are being prescribed. And if if you don't know what that's about, have a look into that. Have a look into um, uh, the uh, SSRI issue with mass shooters. Ever almost every single one of them has been under the influence of a uh, 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 of a of a you know a drug that's an antidepressant which causes. Um, this this type of behavior, uh, you know, or they've had a, a physiological issue going on, like yeah. the the uh, the Texas uh, shooter, the one in uh, back in the sixties, yeah, the one at, at the University of Texas. Yep. He had a he had a, a tumor on his on his hypothalamus that was causing uh, homicidal aggression, and when when he killed himself, he said. You need to check my brain. Something's wrong. And he had been fighting homicidal issues for a while, and it turned out he had this huge tumor that was just 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 flooding his system with aggressive hormones and and sort of hate juice, yeah. if you will. And and he went absolutely, you know. And incidentally, that shooting was resolved by Texas troopers and civilians who were armed. Yes. Who suppressed him. And kept him under suppressive fire until such time as he realized he couldn't carry out his murders anymore, and then he killed himself. Yeah. So uh, there have been, and interestingly enough, there's been a lot of media lately about the increased number of uh, mass shooters who've been suppressed by armed civilians. Yes. This has come out. This is not stuff we heard about five years ago, but now, because someone has pointed it out that it's an issue, uh, it's starting to get heard. It's not on mainstream TV. I mean, you're not going to hear it on the CBC, CTV, Global. You're not going to hear it on the liberal mouthpieces, but it's getting out there. Um, and again, once again, you know, whether whichever side of the spectrum you lean on, you owe it to yourself to look at all sides. I mean, I'm not a fan of the CBC, but I go there every day to see what the hell they're on about. Yeah. Uh, I may engage one or two people in dialogue, uh, depending on what level of hate they're uh, they're uh, espousing today. Uh, I'm not going to get involved with uh, some you know uh, blindly angry uh, uh, anti-gun person, but I, I will refute incorrect information, and I think all of you need to do that. Um, and and at this stage. You know, politics is very important. It, it's, it's uh, you know, you don't need to be a single-issue voter, but to me, firearms ownership is uh, an indicator of the level of freedom in a society, and we're very unfree in Canada. Uh, we're being taken for a ride with our government um, 
stealing money from us and giving it to all kinds of special interests around the world in order to make themselves look virtuous. And that is is completely unacceptable. It's not their job. It is a crime. Um, I, I doubt they'll ever answer for it because the powerful never answer for their crimes. But um, at the very least, you, you owe it to yourself to become informed, to become politically active, and to advocate for some kind of change. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, uh, I have my personal likes and dislikes, but the only power we have is to change government. We, we, don't, we don't have any other power. We can't make them be good. We can't make them be honest. We can't make them spend our tax dollars properly. But if you don't like what they're doing, you can throw them out. And, and you know what? It's, it's interesting that you should say that because uh, looking at the Ontario election results, uh, clearly the people have spoken. Yeah, slow. You know, uh, got, got, got to hand it to the people of Ontario for uh, voting the right way, in my opinion. Well, and think about it. Every media outlet out there was anti-Ford. Yes. Every single one. Yes. All the public sector unions, um, of which OPSU, for instance, has 130,000 members. They and public sector workers comprise one quarter of the workforce in Ontario. Every single one of those unions told their people not to vote for Doug Ford, and those people still voted for Doug Ford. Yeah. And people saw through the lies. And it was very much like what what happened with Donald Trump in the United States. And I don't care whether you like or don't like Donald Trump. I'm, I'm not here to discuss him. But they got told a story, and the story was designed to sell something that for some reason the media thought they had a right to influence you on. I don't know where media ever got the idea that their job was to decide who should govern us, but they've clearly got that idea. They got it in the States. They got it in Canada. They got it in Britain. <clears throat> they got it in the Commonwealth. And these people, these miserable scribblers, who yes. who who sit at their little their little screens and decide that they get that, that they know better than everyone else, along with most of the you know entertainment industry, uh, that they know better than everyone else who should govern. Uh, their message fell on deaf ears, yeah. and people saw right through their nonsense and voted. I don't know what kind of premier. Doug Ford is going to make. I wish him the best. I hope he does a good job, and I hope he saves us some money. Yes. I hope he doesn't do anything too stupid. <laughs> yeah. That, right. That would be nice. But 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 I would hope that of any government. Yes. I, I don't care whether it's left or right. I would hope that of any government. Um, I hope we can start getting our budget back in order. I hope no one loses uh, services that they desperately need. Yep. Uh, but there's there's a lot of fat out there that's going to get trimmed, and there's a lot of graft and corruption out there that's going to get cut short. Yes. And, um, you know, it has come out recently. Um, we all know that the federal election was stolen last time. It was bought and paid for by foreign money, uh, which is outrageous, and why there wasn't a revolt over that, I, I don't understand. But going beyond that, that within three to six months after gaining power, that the, the liberals were buying major contracts with political supporters. The Irving Shipyards, uh, I don't know if you guys heard about what was going on with uh, uh, the, you know, the whole uh, battle fleet that we were supposed to be building and that the Harper government had done a very, very good job of, of, of um, uh, you know, budgeting. But Trudeau went looking for votes and, and to the tune of $700 million has made arrangements with Irving Shipyards to build some other things for us that were never properly um, bid for. So, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a very interesting 
time, you know, just educate yourselves and uh, look at all sides of the spectrum. You know, That's all I can say. And, and you know what, I gotta, I gotta ask you really quickly. You know, uh, just speaking about you know levels of hate and the types of things that we encounter as the firearm community out there in social media. I always encourage people to be uh, composed, uh, to present intelligent arguments. Uh, certainly, uh, certainly, we had an event just recently that occurred. Oh, we got a late arrival to the podcast, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Good to see you here. Uh, <laughs> hey. We've got some additions, folks. They're going to be silently <laughs> waiting in the background. Uh, we're almost wrapping up anyway, but I want to know what your opinions are on this subject. Uh, I, I don't know if you happen to catch uh, the exchange between the liberal uh, riding chair, Mark uh, Elias, I believe is, is his last name, and his rabid, uh, almost uh, vicious attack on Tracy Wilson uh, immediately dumping into the racist commentary, calling her a bigot, uh, a Trump supporter. Uh, and, you know, to her credit, she stayed very composed. And uh, Mark uh, Mark went off <laughs> on a wild tangent and has since apologized for his behavior. Uh, I understand he reached out to her personally and apologized for his behavior. I, I'm curious to know what your thoughts are on that subject. Well, good for him. Yeah. Um, you know, left or right, we all stand... Uh, you know, to make stupid decisions. Um, I think the problem right now with 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 liberalism and, and sort of where it is is that it's so full of self-righteousness is that it never realizes that it has the potential to be wrong or that someone might disagree with it. And so what you end up with is people who have their opinions and who are deeply offended by anyone else who believes differently and, and can't see beyond their own prejudices and 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 traditionally this has been the realm of conservatives and in the last five to ten years it's completely turned around Um, I think I think most people especially Canadians I actually believe that Canadians as a as a group of people who are getting older tend to lean more conservative Mm -hmm. and the you know the traditional um, definition of conservatism not wanting to espouse change I I think is changing uh, because most cons- most conservatives in Canada tend to be socially progressive, but they tend to be fiscally conservative. And what I find is going on with liberals is that they're throwing money at um, at uh, at causes, and it results in once the- once they get in charge of the nation's treasure, they they tend to want to throw as much money to virtue signal at various issues and look at us we're looking after this and that and the other thing and and of course we all know what the you know the catch issues are today and I'm not going to get into them because as a gun group many of us are those things you know Uh, so you know and I support everyone whatever your challenges are whatever your lifestyles are I could not care less because as a conservative, I consider myself a libertarian conservative, and, and I think that people should be allowed to live their lives however the hell they want, as long as they don't hurt other people. Yeah. Um, you know, but let's be smart with the way we spend our our uh, pooled money, our pooled resources, and let's not be lied to and fooled into giving the government more money than they need just to meet some kind of uh, false you know, image of, of, uh, activism yeah. because, uh, you know, there's, there's lots of things we can be activistic about, but, but there are so many different ways of approaching those issues that we, 
we can't afford to address everything. No, of course not. And last and final question, right? And I always like to end things on a high note. Your favorite firearm on the planet, right? I want to know. I respect your, I respect your opinion. And you know what? I want to know if you, if you could own any gun on the planet, what would it be? What would be something, something that you would be able to shoot and enjoy? I own, I own my favorite gun. Right. I I have an FNC one, and it is my favorite rifle. And it's a lot of nostalgia for sure. Because it's a beast to shoot. Yes. Uh, but um, uh, you know there are. Oh God! I mean, that's not a fair question. Come on! That's it's not it's a fa- like asking which Listen. one is your favorite kid. I know, but like, I mean, but like, like, just just think of the pool of guns that are out there. If you could own anything on the planet, I, right, what I, would you it know, be? I have an AK. Yeah. Which is phenomenal, and I have an FN, which is phenomenal, and I have an AR, which is phenomenal, and I love them. And I've got, you know, there are weapons I want to collect. Yes. Uh, you know, I'd love to have a Lewis gun. Oh there, there, there you go. I That's what I Lewis wanted to gun. hear. Right? I want a Lewis gun. But why? Uh, why? What? What is it? I mean, we're talking about an archaic. For the people who don't know what a Lewis gun is, it's it's a it's a drum-fed, 303 British round firing, uh, you know, archaic machine gun. We're talking about the dark ages of machine gun <laughs> technology, right? It's a World War One relic. It's it's was it air cooled? It's it's air cooled. It's air cooled. Yeah. It's air cooled. So we're talking about like pre-water cooled machine guns. So it's not even like Vickers and Maxim. Like we're talking like ancient well, Canadian no, military no, history no, no, here. It's, it's, so it was designed by an American, mm. and the first military that adopted it was the was the uh, American, yeah, um, and the British. And the British used it in World War One for a lot of things. It became very popular on aircraft because it was so light. Yeah, um, and it and and it was put into the infantry battalions. Um, it's uh, I'm a big as a Canadian. I don't know why, and as a French Canadian, it's even weirder. I'm a huge <laughs> uh, fan of British military history. And uh, World War One is sort of my passion, yeah. and I've studied it uh, endlessly. I, I find it absolutely fascinating, and it, it's an incredible time. Like, like when you think about what our forefathers went through and what they suffered, we just have no clue. Yeah. You know, like we just finished the war in Afghanistan, and it was awful, and our people suffered horribly. But can you compare it to fifty thousand dead in? you know in three hours on the first day of the psalm yeah you know yeah. I, I don't think you can and and you know and it was like world war one was such an influential um uh, uh incident that like british society is still hugely affected by it. yeah hugely absolutely and uh uh you know, if you look at something like, say, Monty Python, back in which, you know, remember, Python's pretty old. Python's like the 1970s, yeah. 1960s and 70s. Those guys all doing national service, and a lot of their humor doesn't go back to World War II. It goes back to World War I. Okay. Because it's World War I that changed British society. Yes. It's what brought communism into Europe. Um, it's what uh, caused people to start questioning loyalty to, um, to power structures. And it, it really did give power to labor, yes. which is, which, you know, is important. Yeah. I mean, we're not peasants. No. And uh, we have a say, and uh, that's a very important thing. But uh, so the Lewis gun was like a really fantastic piece of engineering from that time because for its day, it was a, a very, I mean, realistically, if they, they could have put two per section and then had their, their fire support, you know, um, uh, 
which is you know still a, a, a thing that we do today. We have two light machine guns in a section, and we have a, uh, a medium machine gun at the platoon level. And so you know you got six light machine guns and two and, and one one medium machine gun at platoon level. You know if they'd done that, I mean it, it would have changed, revolutionized uh, infantry tactics. Well, prior to World War One, I, I mean you 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 were still talking about you know like before World War One, you, you had guys lining up. And, and throwing bullets in massive volleys. I mean, well, they it, they did in World War One until the end of nineteen or the early part of nineteen fifteen when someone realized that it was a really stupid a idea. Stupid idea. And, and you know, and the cavalry still did their charges in nineteen fifteen, and they were mowed down by the by the Maxim guns. And uh, uh, and the real shame about it, and the arrogance of it, is that uh, everyone knew this was going to happen. Anyone who was was on the cutting edge of military technology knew this was going to happen because believe it or not it happened in the civil war and one of the things you don't see in the movies in the civil war uh you know you always see these guys hiding behind a wall and yeah. and shooting and all this kind of stuff the civil war was a trench war was it now? it was a trench war yeah they they dug deep trenches and they hunkered down in their in their um uh, in their defensive works because every time they got up and walked forward they got massacred and they didn't have machine guns yeah they had you know single shot hand-loaded rifles and they got massacred and uh, people have no idea what a what an influence so world war one was to britain what the civil war was to the united states okay and uh uh you know if anyone in europe gave a damn about what was going on in the states and and really researched that war they would have seen what was coming in in 1914 when you know huge armies of men armed with uh bolt action rifles with large capacity magazines uh, walked into each other's volley fire in bright red and blue uniforms. <laughs> yeah. which is, the British didn't. The British had their khaki, but the French were still wearing blues and reds. And 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 they got, you know, France. Yeah. I mean, France, France lost 600,000 men at, at Verdun. Wow. 600,000. Like, think about that. That's, that's, that's a, in a battle. In a battle. Not in a war, that, in a battle. That's, that's, those, those, those truly are insane numbers. And I, I you know, I have often talked about this. Trench, trench warfare is dirty. I mean, when you talk about World War I, uh, you think about things like mustard gas, uh, guys jumping into dark trenches with, you know, 1897 Winchester shotguns, you know, blasting off five rounds, sweeping the trench, and then armed with, you know, a foot long plus, you know, bayonet on the end of their gun. I mean, people were designing brass knuckles with spikes in them grenades, and claws grenades, and grenades. The evolution, and grenade, of, the hand the evolution of the hand grenade. Uh, the <laughs> World War One and trench warfare. MP18. Yeah, like just, just, just. And the Tommy gun. And the, the Tommy, Tommy gun. gun was designed for World War One. It, 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 it was. It didn't make it. It didn't make it. But I mean, but still though, like World War One was a dirty, nasty, right down to the gritty. You know, like. Awful and, war, and it was outrageous. Yes, it, it was outrageous. Uh, you know, this was the dying, the dying um, kick of the nobility in Europe. This was this was a family spat. Yeah. This right. Remember that all the kings and queens of Europe were all related. They were all the same family. Yes. So, um, you know, at the, like at the time, our current royal family in Britain, it was the House of Habsburg, which they're Austrian. And you know, their their the Kaiser was their family's cousin. They changed their name to Windsor to anglicize it, but um, um, like it, it was the peasants being sent out to walk into machine gun fire to 
protect the vassal, you know, the, the rights, uh, they were vassals to protect the rights of their lords and ladies. And, 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 and it's outrageous. It and, was outrageous. And it, it has changed everything. And again, like the Lewis gun is a, is a, you know, the fact, the idea of a Lewis gun being taken away by the police and chopped up into little pieces to me is so, is so damn offensive. Um, and if a police chief came into possession of one of these from, you know, uh, if he didn't donate it to a museum, I would, I would have no respect for that person at all. Because, uh, you, you know, whether you like it or not, it's history and suck it up. And I, I know, I know you had conversations with your police chief over yep. a similar implement. An MG34. Who, uh, who, who felt that uh, an MG34 was a killing machine and had no place other than be... T- and, you know, it's a very 1960s hippie attitude, and it's also a very political attitude. Yes. Uh, I'm not I'm not impressed by by that politics. It's, no. It doesn't impress me. I'm not going to I'm not gonna go home and cry and have a sit around the drum circle and, and just think, <laughs> well, what, a, what a wonderful chap you are. I'm so, so happy... I'm, I'm so happy that you felt that way about that piece of historical gear so that if I you know, got a, into a scrap with one of your officers, you would be perfectly happy to see me beaten to the ground, pepper sprayed, and you know, maybe shot. You know, like you're not a hippie. You're not. You're not. What you are is a politician. And, yep. and you know. Well, you know what, Brian? I gotta tell you, it's always a pleasure having you here on the show. We've run out of time. I, I think I'm low, running low on battery life here. But again, uh, always fantastic uh, listening to you speak and hearing your input is always instrumental in uh, people's enjoyment of the Canadian Gun Vault. Don't forget to like and subscribe, folks. Spread this around to as many people as you can. And as always, Canada, don't forget to shoot straight, stay safe.